Okay, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 13 as we look at verses 1 through 23. Why a parable? Why did Jesus use parables? Why a story? And especially why a story at this time? You know, um, it's easy for us to ask certain questions and be misunderstood, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're not on the same page. My wife is always telling me, we're not on the same page. And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit more what you want. And so we're always uh, doing that, or, or we may think that we're on the same page and misunderstand it completely. And that happens so often, it kind of reminds me of a story about the Queen of England and, and uh, Philip, Prince Philip, going in her stead to Africa uh, to represent her. And he was at one of these big uh, formal dinners and everyone, you know, looking real fancy and nice, all dressed up. And they had the fancy waiters and waitresses. And, and this waiter came over to him. And he was, uh, wait, you know, he had the opportunity to wait on him. And he said, uh, uh, Prince Philip, uh, what would you prefer, fish or a duck? And, you know, being in another country, sometimes you wonder, well, what kind of duck is it? Or what kind of fish is it? Or how does it look? Or what does it consist of? And so Philip, trying to clarify that, he looked at the waiter and he said, um, Tell me about the duck. Well, the waiter looked at him, kind of confused, and he scratched his head and he said, Well, he said, uh, It's kind of like a chicken, only it swims. <laughs> it's easy for us to ask wrong questions or to be misunderstood, asking the right questions, but be on the wrong page. And this is what's happening here with the disciples. As you look down at, and we'll look at, we'll read verses 1 through 10. We won't read all 23 verses, but in verse 10, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak in parables? And this is the story, this is the background. This same day, the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. They were Galilee, a great multitude were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on shore. So it must have been a big crowd. Well, a big crowd had been following him. And we've been talking about why this crowd has been following him. And it says that Jesus spake many things unto them in parables, saying, and this is the first thing that he spoke. He said, and he's in the countryside. You've got to remember this. So they can relate to this, most of them. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth or they didn't have much soil and uh, they 
uh, sprung up quickly, and because they had no deepness of earth, when the sun came out, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Now listen. You ever hear Dr. Stanley say that? Now listen. This is what he's saying. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Very important. The ears to hear are more than just hearing for the head. It's hearing for the heart. The disciples came and said unto him, Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Well, they misunderstood what was going on. He, just before that, told them why and what to look for. He said, he or who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the setting here is, is important. And the setting tells us that they were Galilee and is unique for Galilee because Galilee was more of a Agarian type of setting. And so in turn, you didn't have the big crowds like in the big cities. But you had a big crowd for this. And this is not where you would normally find a big crowd. And so that's the first tent. Why are they there? And he's wanting the disciples to understand why they are there. He's wanting them to pick up what he's been trying to get across to them all along. And we talked about this a little bit the last few weeks. And this crowd is a mixed crowd. And uh, by mixed crowd, I mean that they're there because a lot of them are there because there has been a conflict. And the conflict what has been that they have said, hey, Jesus has been per performing these miracles and teaching these things uh, that, that are of authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, is he, could he be the Messiah? Could he be the son of David? And the Pharisees and the scribes hear this, know this, they're plotting against him, it says. And so you've got this conflict going on and they know this and they've been trying to trap Jesus. They've even said that he was casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And so they accused him of that. Their hearts have become harder and harder and harder. And so he's letting them know what's happening and so the, the disciples here are looking at one thing. They're saying, hey, here's a big crowd. They're following you. Man, let them know what you're doing. Let them know why you're here. Let them know that, that you are the Messiah. Man, and that you're ready to take us into the kingdom and set up the eternal kingdom. Let them know this. You know... We often misread crowds, don't we? We often 
look at just like the disciples are looking at the outward thing. And we miss the whole point and we don't realize what's going on. Sometimes we can see a big crowd and we think that a big crowd means a great church. But is that always true? Sometimes it is true. But sometimes anything will draw a crowd. Charismatic speaker, great activities, and those people can be there for the externals and never have an internal relationship with the Lord. This is what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to look at. He's saying, hey, I want you to see what the gospel does. It reveals to you what the crowd is made up of. And it can have tremendous effects. But just because a crowd is there doesn't mean that everyone is going to be receiving the gospel. He tells us because why? He gives us a parable. There's different souls. There's the hard soul. That's, far, that's a, a sower coming by and throwing out seed and some of it falling by the roadside. Now by the roadside means what? A lot of traffic. They didn't have cars driving up and down through there and on the uh, paved road. They traveled by foot. And so what does that mean? A lot of the seed got trampled on. Got packed down into the dirt that was already packed. And so it could not take root. And he says, you know, uh, and when the sower... Uh, came along he threw out seeds and some fa fell by the wayside and what happened soon the fowls the birds came by and ate it up why because it never took root but then he he goes on and he says uh, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and uh, forthwith they uh, sprung up because they had no deepness of earth there was no depth there in other words there was rocky places but the soil did not was not permissible for the water to help the plant grow and so in turn what happened we see that the sun came out and it scorched it because it had no root and then he said and then others fell among the thorns and because the thorns were so great, it tried to come up. But the thorns of bushes all around choked out the seed. And it also did not take root. Did not survive. But he said, but there are some seed that falls on good ground that bring forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, uh, and some thirtyfold. And so we see that this is the kind of historical context here in Matthew that gives us a description of the gospel, the word of God going out, and there's different soil that the word of God touches. And he's trying to let the disciples know and understand that, hey, there's a big crowd. 
But this big crowd doesn't mean that they're following me for the right reason. And so I want you to understand that. The same thing will happen as you later share the word of God. He was preparing them for ministry. He was preparing them also for what was about to happen. Because what is going to happen with all of this conflicting crowd that's around and the feelings and the emotions and the, the turmoil and, and the confusion and different things that are going on. Many of them are going to join in with the Pharisees and the scribes and go along with having him persecuted, taken to the cross. And he says, I just want you to understand this. Because what happened after Jesus was crucified? Well, we know that many of the disciples went back to fishing, didn't they? Many of them were discouraged. But Jesus appeared to them. And as we look at this, Jesus is telling them and preparing them for what the kingdom of God involves. Now, he first of all, he lets us know, Matthew does with the setting, that this was something unique because the crowds usually didn't gather there. Second of all, with the story, Matthew is letting us know that with this story, Jesus is trying to get across a point. And that point is, there's much more to just a crowd. There's a heart of the crowd. And you've got to understand that. And the effect that the gospel is going to have on this crowd. It's how responsive they are. The soil is. So he finally just explains it. And I want us to look in verses 18 through 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. Why are you speaking in parables, Jesus? Well, you remember Jesus said that they had been blessed to understand Jesus said, if you come as babes and, and, and not as the intellectuals and the uh, self-promoted people who know everything and think that they know everything and reject the truth, but you come as babes and the, the truth will be revealed to you. Well, Jesus is, is letting them know, okay, I'm going to explain to you what it means says in verse 18 through 23, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is one on whom we see that the, uh, the seed was sown uh, beside the road. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word 
and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises, because, you see that? He's not just talking about persecution and affliction in general. But he gives us why it comes about. Because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So he, he explains it to him. He says this first soil, the hard soil, it describes a person whose heart is hard. He is a person who refuses to receive the word over and over and over again, much like the Pharisees. It is as if they sit there before Jesus or they sit there before some evangelist or preacher and say, I dare you to make it interesting to me. Just go ahead and give it your best shot. You can't do it. But you know what? That's not our job to make it interesting, is it? Our job is to make it truthful. Just to preach the truth. Preachers have been known, though, to try and make it interesting to the point. Now, I'm not saying it can't be interesting, but interesting to the point where you try to manipulate people into making decisions. But we can't do that. Not in it be genuine. Yes, we can manipulate people, but we can't manipulate them into heaven. They've got to receive it. The soil has to be right. These people are too stubborn to try and understand the message. So while they rationalize and excuse themselves, like just like the Pharisees, the devil comes and steals the message away. They're the ones who harden the heart, their hearts towards the truth. Refusing to receive it, so the devil steals it away. Now then, second one is, what? Rocky soil. This person is one who hears the word and he rejoices over it and receives it. But when persecution arises, what happened? Persecution because of the word, it says. He begins to fall away. There are people who hear the gospel superficially. They receive it, but it's receiving it with a mere interest type of receiving. Oh, that sounds interesting to me. Oh, I think I can use that in my business, or I can use that with my family in some way. Sure you can, but you need to use it according to the word of God and according to the Spirit teaching you and, and, and uh, filling you and, and guiding you. 
not just as some mere secular principle out there. I like what the preacher says. I like what the Sunday school teacher says. And there, you know, there may be some excitement, but they don't see themselves as a sinner here who is in need of salvation. They don't respond by faith, a faith that saves. And so they respond merely with an interest. It kind of tickles them, excites them, makes them feel good. People make a commitment to Christ. And these people make that commitment temporarily. And so we see the word temporary in verse 21. And here Jesus says that those are the ones who make a commitment, but yet fall away. When they're persecuted because of the word. When they're standing up and all of a sudden they're rejected by their friends that, their friend, that used to be friends that were close to them because of them standing up to the word. Well, I don't want to do that or I don't think that's right because this is what Christ has said. This is how Christ has led me. Well, hey man, we don't want to have anything to do with you. You're one of these uh, Jesus freaks, you know. And so they make fun, they make jokes, and so pretty soon this person's falling away from the uh, from true gospel because why? I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about falling away because they've never made that decision. And they fall away because it's unpopular. And then there's the thorny ground. This is a seed that fell among thorns. You know, the worry of the world. The deceitful uh, worry that of things of the world that, that choke the life out of people. The things that, that, you know, become so important to that person. And they have to devote themselves to those things and neglect the Word of God. They want both. They want to play the, uh, uh, the fence type person, you know, where they, I, I want that fire insurance, but I want to be in the world. And so they, they think that they can do that. But the world pulls them away further and further and it reveals their true character that they never really made a commitment to the Lord. It was just something that they wanted, that they had heard, and just to make sure to have fire insurance so that when they do die, if it is real, then they'll go to heaven. And then he says, there is a good soul. And the one on whom seed was sown on good ground, good soil, this is a man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, this news to the farmer is good news. To have that good seed, good soil, giving forth a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. You know, in the ancient world, the first century, you, a farmer would have felt good to get a fivefold increase. I mean, just think about it. That would have been considered a, a great year because five times as much grain as you used as seed, that would have been a good harvest. 
But Jesus is pointing out the explosiveness of the Word of God and the Gospel. And he says when the, when the good seed is received in the heart, the return is astronomical. It's awesome. It's amazing what the grace of God can do in the heart that is receptive to the Word of God. A person begins to change by God's grace. A person begins to help others change by God's grace. A person is able to show the, the power of God in difficult situations in his life by the grace of God. And I've heard a lot of this. I know that some of you who this past year has been a, an encouragement, a, a great encouragement to the pastor. Because not only are they just receiving what is given in Sunday school or receiving what is given in, in worship, but they are, are getting into the Word of God themselves and sharing with me what God is doing and how God is working in their lives and, and what the Word of God means to them and what, how it's spoken to them that day. Now that is a blessing and this is what he's talking about here with the Word of God. So Jesus is trying to redirect them about the kingdom that's in the heart. Yes, one day... There's going to be the kingdom where Jesus returns and sets it up. And, and uh, he says, yes, he will rule and reign. But he says, that will be in the future. Right now, the kingdom that he's talking about is beginning with those who receive it in the heart. And he says, in that one day. We know down the road when Jesus comes back to rule and reign that everybody will be surrendered and submitted to his will, but not everybody on the outside will or, or, or in the millennial will understand and receive it into, the wor into their heart even then. Majority of them will be believers. And then at the end, when Satan is let loose, then we know that that their, their hearts will be deceived and their true character will be shown. And we see that they will have rejected Jesus even though they had been blessed and been living under his grace during that time and power. And so in, as we see this, we see that Jesus here though is saying, for that kingdom, for that true kingdom, for Jesus to rule and reign, he needs to rule and reign in your heart. And this is what he wants him to focus on. That the gospel is powerful and it'll change hearts. And it will just do unbelievable things in people's lives. But you've got to understand, not everybody that's in the crowd will receive it. Only those that are of good soul who receive it and are changed by the Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer.